You're listening to one of the sermons preached from Shalom Baptist Chapel, recorded at one of our worship services. Uh, again, a very good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ from Shalom and Good News. Uh, the natural me is, of course, a very excited because I teach as a profession. But even as we were led in our worship earlier on, indeed, all of us do go through trials and temptation. And it's been quite a trial for me, uh, just to share. But I, I, I really acknowledge and I want to give thanks and praise to God because remember, God is sovereign and God is always good and God is always good to all of us. Uh, for some of you who knows me, uh, I, my name is Roy and I've been in church, as Baptist Church, since I was 14 years old, and I'm coming to 41 years old. Got married with a wife. My, my, name, my, my wife's name is Peggy, and it's been almost 11 years that we got married. We just had our child five months ago. I'm celebrating his five months' birthday to, on Monday. And to God be all glory, it's been a journey, a trial. But even if that, I also want to testify, uh, of course, you know, sometimes the not-so-good things. My dad passed on almost just last week. And I thank God because I think through that, uh, God gave him strength to just press in to see the grandchild. Yeah, in the last five months, I have time with my dad uh, just to share with him, to minister. And even on the deathbed, uh, just last week, at the last six hours that I had with him, asking him, do you want to believe in Jesus? Of course, every heart's desire is, yes, I want to believe in Jesus. He shook his head. Honestly, my heart sank and I said, do you want to reconsider that decision of yours? And I said, I hold your hand because he was semi-conscious, but he was alert enough to understand what I was saying. So I took the time and I prayed with him. I said, if you understand what I'm saying, then hold my hand tight and I'll pray with you. He held my hand tight. I didn't know. Honestly, at the point, even after that, he sank into a very last moment. He's catching his breath and he begins to sink off um, I don't know, but in that last six hours, you call it a trial, you call it a time with the Lord, the Lord just began to minister to me even from Isaiah 40. The Lord who calls the starry host into place, who knows them by name, and He will not lose any one of them. I'm encouraged and I'm reminded that God takes hold of all our children and He knows them by name and He calls them to Himself according to His pattern, His will, beyond your imagination. So I trust in my Lord that His word shall come to pass. Even at the last moment when the robber says, I believe in you, that robber shall be saved. In the last moment when we were just called to the Lord, God always rescue us. That somehow prepare and, and puts my mind and my perspective in place. And I like to encourage my brother and all of us who are going through some trials, I've been just reminded even in James chapter 1, something that you have learned and we have journeyed together, let me read that word as a starter to encourage you. The Word of God says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given unto you. 
Let's do a quick re- reflection, perhaps. Okay, as a starter again. Now, think of someone in this century whom you will consider wise and full of understanding. Okay, no need to answer me, but in your heart and in your mind now, think of somebody wise or somebody whom you will consider wise and full of understanding. It could be someone that you know personally. I think my, my dad is a wise man. It could be somebody that you know about. I think Lee Kuan Yew is a wise man. Yeah? Or it could even be yourself. You think you're a wise man. Fair enough. I have a second question. Qualities that help you conclude that person that you have in mind as wise. That's the essence of our text this morning from James chapter 3. We are continuing our study from verse 13 to 18. In that context, probably many of the Jews, you know, we're talking about the teachers, they were parading around their knowledge about who God is, and then they were boasting and claiming about their wisdom. James, the writer of this book, the author, and also the pastor, the leader of the Jerusalem church, would in this portion of Scripture caution the people, the Christians, the Jewish Christians, and says, be careful against such boasting of wisdom. And he calls some of this wisdom as earthly, fleshly, sensual, and even demonic. Now, spoken or not, you and I also live in a day that we are fairly boastful. I think at least in the context of our education system or our society by itself, a very common boast that none of you would say, I'm, uh, uh, no man would say that I'm a fool. In fact, we tend to say that we're quite smart and we're quite intellectual. That's natural. You would rarely hear people claim themselves as a fool, but instead, many people will claim themselves as fairly wise, or at least I know enough what to do in life. And what more, many of us, would have also have much opinions about things. We live in a society that everybody has opinions, and sometimes my opinions is high, higher value than you. And that is our society. You have read of books, internet articles that, that you know, entitled what? 10 Ways of Getting Rich. Follow my method, you're going to get rich. 10 ways of doing everything. Lah. From a housewife, you have 10 ways of cooking battle. From a technician, you have 10 ways of doing certain things. And most of us claim to have the higher knowledge and wisdom. And that's the issue because often we think we are wise, but this morning's question for all of us, are you truly wise? What are the qualities that will conclude, that will help you understand what true wisdom is? So as James wrote, he wanted his audience to be very clear, who are those that are truly wise? And who are those that claim they are wise, but they are actually foolish? And James, in our writing today, will understand that his advice is we can discover who are those that are truly wise and who are those that are not by the qualities, the attitude, and the deeds that they put on. What is the relevance again? Does it really matter? Honestly, sometimes we all sit around here and say, Look, that person so-and-so can be wise as long as it doesn't interfere in my life. I live a simple life. I'm a housewife, I'm a teacher, I have a family. I live as I wish to. 
But you, again, you turn the question, the attention to yourself, it is also important to begin to reflect, am I wise in the sight of my own? Am I wise in the sight of God? You turn on your attention and you ask yourself, does it matter whether I'm wise or not? I think the answer is it does matter. It does matter if you are truly wise according to today's text. It does matter. Let me give you two reasons why it matters. As you embark on this theme, I assure you even when we have read in James chapter 1, wisdom is needed in order for us to triumph through trials. Had not been the Word of God that gave me understanding to who He is, I'll be broken and I don't think I can stand before you today to share God's Word. But you and I as believers, we have the wisdom and the understanding of who God is. We are able to live out who God calls us to be and to do His very work day by day. Just like in the days that James was writing, they faced trials. You and I are facing trials. The world as a whole is going through a great turmoil. All of us, directly, indirectly, are experiencing trials of various kinds. And I dare say some of you are facing real difficult trials. Yet I've read earlier on in James chapter 1 that these trials has come for the testing of your faith, for the development of perseverance within you, so that perseverance must finish its work, that the God's aim is always for you to be complete and to be holy. What was the verse that we read immediately after that? reminds me that wisdom is needed for us to go through trials because the context presents the trial. Verse 5 says, Therefore, if any of you lacks wisdom, then ask of the Lord, and He will give generously to you without finding fault. Sometimes I'm really naive about what's happening. Sometimes it may be a situation that I've caused it, but God gives wisdom to you without finding fault, and it will be given to you. What essentially God is saying Wisdom is needed for us in order for us to triumph through trials. Wisdom is needed even in our days, today, today. The trials and the temptation that you and I go through. Do you not remember Jesus at the end of his 40 days of fasting brought to the desert? Wisdom was what brought Jesus through as he understood the scripture. It does matter whether you are wise or not. And the second reason is wisdom is who God is. This is my greater excitement. Wisdom is who God is. Just like we have sung earlier on, God is love, then I tell you God is wise. In fact, the Bible writers will describe God often as infinitely wise, because he is a God who has always the greatest goal and intent for all mankind. Even in the trials that you and I are going through, even in the turmoil that the world is going through, our Lord that we worship always has the greatest goal and intent in every situation, and he has the best way to achieve it. You might be wondering, while suffering, Lord, people are dying, we are recording like more than 10 deaths in a day. 
the Lord has His sovereign will and way to achieve His infinite ways of doing certain things. And sometimes we cannot fully comprehend God yet. And wisdom is therefore a virtue of God. Wisdom is a virtue that reflects God. And therefore, when we are wise, you know what happens? We are reflecting God Himself because God is wise. When we are loving, we are reflecting God's love. And you will know that He wants you to be wise because He wants you to reflect His wisdom. God wants us to be wise and God enables us to be wise. In fact, if I follow the trend of James' writing, I dare say that wisdom is also a test and an evidence of whether do you have a true living faith. If you're talking about faith and this, this is an evidence of our faith, then I dare say in this context, wisdom is also a test and an evidence of whether you have a true and a living faith. Because those that are truly saved, those who genuinely know God, you will possess a living faith and you will possess a certain kind of wisdom. It's an heavenly, godly wisdom. So it does matter whether you are wise or not. Let's turn our hearts to God in today's scripture now. And let me just pray a short prayer, even as we sometimes are naive. Dear Lord, would you give us wisdom even as you say, so that we may have not just understanding, but through the reading of your word, in the trials that my brothers and sisters and I are just going through in our heart and our mind right now, we are not just asking for wisdom and understanding. I'm praying right now, Lord, that you transform our hearts and our attitude and our behaviour so that even through the trials that we are facing, wisdom carries us through. And through wisdom, O oh Lord, we reflect, as we practice wisdom, we reflect who you are in our trials so that those around us might even know you in and through us, O oh God. Praise you again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's turn our Bibles to James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18. Let me read that for all of us. Two kinds of wisdom. Verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Verse 15, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Verse 16, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, and then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So in this passage, James defines for us two kinds of wisdom. He speaks about the source of these two kinds of wisdom and he helps us to determine the kind of wisdom that you and I have, that people around have, by describing the qualities of each type of wisdom. So let me present to you the outline 
What is wisdom? How is wisdom lived out? And how do we get this wisdom? If you refer back to your text, it is interesting to note that James did not define wisdom. A typical student like you and I says, what's the definition? What's the definition of wisdom? We love to be intellectual. We love to know definition. But instead, James chose not to define wisdom. He spent the time describing about wisdom. What is godly wisdom? He says it is pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, so on. And he described what is satanic and what is demonic, earthly, sensual wisdom. It is envious, selfish, resulting in disorder and every practice. So if I could imagine I'm James, I could just sing with him, possibly two reasons why he didn't define wisdom. And I've chosen to restrain myself from defining wisdom for you first now. Two reasons. Possibly James understood the audience. They were Jewish Christians who probably were very familiar with the Old Testament teaching about the wise God. I'm sure they would have come across the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. They knew wisdom was related to the Almighty God. Possibly, as I said, to him, James, then, definition of wisdom may not be as important as how wisdom is being lived out. That is somehow my key point for almost today. Many a times, our understanding is wisdom is knowledge that is important, applied. And we stop there. But what does it mean, I think, to James, the implication and the application of being wise is more important than the definition. From these verses, you can see that heavenly wisdom has everything to do with a kind of attitude. Heavenly wisdom has to do with everything to the kind of behavior, your deeds, and your action, as compared even to earthly wisdom. And I share this quote with you. Wisdom then is not what I know. Wisdom is how I live. I think that makes sense. In a trial, sometimes when I was reflecting again, I says, look, Lord, I mean, we ask that question in our trial. Why are you bringing me through this trial? You asked that before? I think the answer is given in James chapter 1. That this has come, that you may have perseverance, and perseverance must complete its work. You become mature, complete, and holy. But what is significant and what is more importantly is, after you have known the reason why, then how do I live out that wisdom in that situation? Either I remain defeated, okay, so that's what you say, I stay as I am, or I could understand, therefore, if wisdom is therefore pure, then I reflect upon it. If wisdom is therefore peace-loving, how do I live it out with my family members? If wisdom is pure, uh, peace-loving again, how do I live it out with my colleagues that we are going through trials and temptations and all these things? And being submissive, being full of spirit. I'll cover that later. But wisdom is not what I know. Wisdom is how I live. I choose to put all my studies and my thoughts together. So heavenly wisdom, if you need a definition, put that aside, list to copy, has to do to me a review life that honestly gravitates towards applying God's truth in a particular situation. But more importantly, 
having the Spirit of God coming upon you to empower you to live a renewed life. Wisdom is not knowledge. That is halfway to the 100 marks. Wisdom lived out brings you to the end of what wisdom is. And that's what James is saying. Let me use a quick example. This person in the Old Testament, you should be familiar. Solomon, the wisest of all men, asked for wisdom from God, uh, 1 Kings chapter 3, in a dream. And Solomon requested not for long life, nor wealth, nor the death of his enemies. He requested for wisdom. And God was pleased with his desire. God granted him wisdom. As the Word of God says, he granted Solomon wisdom that can, none can be compared to him. Let's carefully consider this example about how a renewed life now will gravitate towards applying God's truth in everyday trials and temptation because immediately following this encounter with God when wisdom was granted unto Solomon, you turn your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 16. There is an incident. Two prostitutes came to Solomon. He was the judge, he was the king. And so one of them said, Look, um, this woman who have killed, murdered my, ba my baby and claimed that this baby was hers. And so later on, both of them were arguing, you know, and they, this case was brought before Solomon. Uh, there was a long argument. Let me just read that so that you can understand. So during the night, this first woman claimed that this woman's sons died because she laid on him. So she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while I, your servant, was sleeping. The first servant was saying that. And she put my living baby by her side and put her dead son by my breast. The next morning, I got up to nurse my son and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning light, I saw that this wasn't the son that I bore. The other woman said before Solomon, says, no, the living one is my son. The dead one is yours. Then the first one insists, no, the dead one is yours. The living one is mine. And they argued before the king. Solomon said, now, this one says, my son is alive and your son is dead. While the other one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. You know what the king said? Bring me a sword. And they brought a sword for the king. And then he gave this, this order. Cut the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. At that moment, the other, at that moment, the woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son and said to the king, then in that case, please Lord, give the living baby to the other prostitute. Don't kill him. But the other said, Neither I nor you shall have him cut him into two. What wisdom? And in verse 28, the king said, gave in ruling, verse 27, Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is her mother. A long story. But what I captured was a renewed mind and heart, a life like Solomon, who gravitates to applying, understanding what a motherly love resembles, what a fatherly, heavenly father loves resembles, and begins to apply it in a trial. And here you can see a life lived out in wisdom. Now, 
It is important to remember, therefore, even from a biblical point of view, heavenly wisdom does not come from age. Solomon was fairly young then. Does not come even from experience, nor knowledge or in intelligence. These things do produce a kind of wisdom, and I don't mean to downplay that kind of wisdom, but I think it is not the same as heavenly, godly wisdom in our text today. As believers, what we really need and should pursue is a heavenly, godly wisdom that comes only from God in order for you and I to triumph through trials. So James, in the later two verses 17 and 18, will begin to help his readers understand the qualities of what heavenly wisdom and how is it being lived out. And I share that with you here. The first and foremost, the wisdom that comes from heaven, verse 17, is first of all, pure. Now, as I go through this list, it's almost like a time of reflection upon myself. What wisdom do I truly possess? So let's do that. I would keep it short, but the first quality that we see is of pure, purity. Heavenly wisdom is pure. In other words, heavenly wisdom is holy. It is free from defilement and sin. What that means, and you know that God expects His followers to be pure and to be holy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God or they will understand God. And to understand is true wisdom. So those who have true wisdom are those that may have been pure, sincere in their heart, and we need a pure heart to have wisdom from God. We need a pure heart to have wisdom, heavenly wisdom from God. The second on the list is peace-loving. I think it means not creating confusion, nor sowing division or disorder. We all work. I mean, most of us work. Right? What is the best hobby? Hobby of sometimes earthly wisdom. So discord. Right? Gossip about people. Go on. You know, last week we talked about our speech. Tear down people with our words. But the true wisdom of God, heavenly wisdom, is you are actually peacemaking. You are a peacemaker. Not that I'm abstained from gossip. In fact, I try to reconcile people together. And that, I think, is true wisdom from God because we are trying to seek wholeness within self. Peace is wholeness and wholeness among people. Come on, you and I live in a world that is separated enough, isolated enough. The true wisdom of God, true wise living, is we learn to make peace and we pursue peace by bringing reconciliation among people, people to God, that is wise living. So think about that in our workplace, in our institution, wherever that you are. Are we sowing discord or are we loving peace? True wisdom is considerate. It means being gentle. It means being humble. It means others seeking and others loving. Very similar. It means humility. It means I take the needs of others above ourselves. That is wise living according to the scripture. Next, heavenly wisdom is submissive, willing to you, being teachable. Is that happening around us? Is that happening in my life? Am I teachable? 
a wise person is very often willing to submit, willing to you, and sometimes honestly in an argument, you can win. Your opinion, I hear you, is okay. I value that. I don't need to have my, my opinion over his. I'm willing to settle and say, okay, I respect what you are saying because I'm willing to hear you and sometimes even I'm willing to submit to what you have said. Fine. Yeah? Fifth, heavenly wisdom is full of mercy. I think there is a deep concern for the suffering. In a times like this, are we living wisely? Or are we living stuck at our own home? I'm, I'm cautious, in fact. Sometimes when this lock-in happens, yeah, we are definitely concerned about the above 60s. Valid reason. But then I worry that we become very inward-looking because it's about me. I honestly think that if we have been saved, then I think the greater work is those that are above 60 and not safe. So be careful. Take care of your good, take good care of your health. But at the same time, be careful of the attitude that is coming on when we are locked in. Because there are many suffering out there. It also means to be wise, it means to be willing to forgive people when they have wronged you. That is being merciful. Do we harbor hurt, disappointment, anger for a long time? It means to forgive if you are full of mercy. Heavenly wisdom would mean righteous deeds, full of good fruits. We are actively doing good, righteous deeds. That's what uh, James emphasized. And number seven, heavenly wisdom is impartial. It is unwavering. It is undivided. In its commitment, it is consistent. Wisdom is being steadfast. Wisdom is being impartial in your principles. You just want to believe what God has spoken to you. That is wisdom. Being impartial, you are unwavering in your commitment. You are steadfast. Last but not least, wisdom is being sincere. And I take that to mean without hypocrisy. It means you are utterly sincere and there is no false front or mask over you. You are who you are. I've taken some time to explain, explain that. But can you note that these qualities stand in stark contrast to the earthly demonic wisdom which is often motivated by bitter envy and ambition? If I may elaborate a bit more about the bitter envy and ambition. You go back to Old Testament, God is wise, He explains it to us. What causes envy, envy among us? Because you see some things you don't have and you keep wanting it for yourself. So, earthly wisdom, be careful, even believers, is often very self-centric. It is self-loving and it is motivated by an ego fulfillment, a personal ego fulfillment and sometimes it comes to the point you want to gratify that desire at all costs just to achieve what you want. That is scary. I have no question about earning well, doing well in life. But my, question, my post question after that when I talk to people is for what? For what? I experienced that personally. My dad, I think, is quite well to do. But at the deathbed, I asked him before, what matters most? He answered me, it's the relationship. It's the family relationship. And so sometimes I, I really ponder and I say, what drives my life daily? For myself, which I think is earthly wisdom, 
or for the glory of God, for the kingdom of God. And that's what James says is heavenly wisdom. Because you can see earthly wisdom is self-centered. It's centered upon earth, what we can gain much, our ego. Whereas godly wisdom has everything to do with others and God. Others and unto God. True wisdom comes from God. So the important thing as we go through these qualities is for us to consider how these qualities are being lived out by you or not right now and to what degree. I think that is true wisdom. How has the Lord brought to your mind? What has the Lord brought to mind as you have listened through seven, eight qualities of wisdom here? How would you live out wisdom differently immediately after this service, back to your school tomorrow and your workplace. How would you live out wisdom differently? On the other hand, I must say this. Do you harbour selfishness and bitter envy? Do you see arrogance? Self-consumption is about me. Self-ambition in my life. Why don't I get the promotion? Do you see that in yourself? Sometimes James says this is earthly, some scripture, uh, some translations say this, sensual, senses, sense to your feel, your human feel. And some scripture says it's demonic wisdom. It is not the wisdom of God. We need to repent. We need to turn to God. My encouragement, let us embrace and live out wisdom from heaven. When the people can see the wisdom of God upon your life through your trials, people can see God. People can come a step closer to God. And you yourself know that in living out wisdom, I can brace through, I can forge forward through triumphantly in my trials. So in my last segment, I won't take too long. These are, I think you know, let me give you just three practical handles. How do you get wisdom? And I acronym it as ASK. It's from Matthew 7, 7. Ask, seek, and knock. James chapter 1 will immediately say, ask the Lord in prayer. Ask the Lord for wisdom. And He will grant, He will give generously to all without finding it. And it will be given to you. God is the source of all wisdom. Trust me. God is the God of all wisdom. And He gives wisdom to all who ask from Him. He's a God who gives good gifts. Just remember the example of Solomon earlier on. I want to encourage you to ask God for wisdom in prayer. We need to pray all the more at a time like this. If there is a church prayer meeting, make the effort to come together to pray. Why do we pray? Because we are asking God not just again for intellectual understanding to the situation. Lord, I'm asking you that you change my heart that I may live like Jesus Christ so that in this world that is undergoing turmoil when the end days are already here, that your glory, your wisdom might be made known in and through our behaviour. So in times like COVID-19, I'm not praying, Lord, what is happening? I'm praying, Lord, how are you using me for your glory at a time like this? That is true wisdom. Encourage you to establish a daily, weekly, personal prayer time with the Lord. Honestly, don't be too ambitious. I set out to do a 5 a.m. quiet time, then didn't really work out. Now my pattern at least has been to travel early to work 
and have half an hour at a coffee shop just to pray and to read the scripture. Do something that's manageable for you. Don't be too ambitious in you set the time and discipline to pray. And if you need support, accountability, always ask somebody to pray with you. I think that's a fantastic accountability and discipline. Ask God daily for wisdom to live the day. I think when we ask God for wisdom, our mind is renewed through the scripture and we can live our life differently. I just want to point out, if wisdom is a gift from God, then all gifts should be used for the glory of God, for the maturing of every one of us here. Am I right? I hope you remember that. So wisdom, if it's a gift from God, it should not therefore, oh, so now I can do something for myself, for my glory. There, you are going back to earthly wisdom. The very nature of wisdom will instruct your heart to use what you know to fulfill God's will and to demonstrate how you are to love your neighbour as yourself in words last week and in deeds your life. Seek. Be intentional to seek the scripture. The scripture is God's revelation. True wisdom comes from God and God has revealed himself through the scripture. I hope all of us are spending time reading your Bible. I plead with you to study your scripture. It is the source of wisdom. Please do that. Be in a Bible study group to seek to know who God is, His character, His instruction, the way that He deals with people. Look at Jesus Christ. The study life of Jesus Christ who was one among us, but He grew in wisdom and He grew in stature. Seek wisdom together in discipling groups. One to one, one to two. Hear from one another, submit to one another, learn from one another, I think that is where a community of disciples grows together, learns together, blossoms together. So seek wisdom in His Holy Bible, His Scripture. Seek wisdom with others. Knock persistently. I don't know. The word knock reminds me of the persistent widow who knocks. And I think there is an effort of being persistent in prayer to ask. But if I can apply it more, I think it means to practice living out wisely. It's not natural. I mean, God gives to me wisdom. I can understand what is peace-loving. I can understand what is submission now. I can understand, you know, what is full of mercy. It takes practice, persistency. Today I feel, I'm sorry, Lord. Tomorrow I try better. I think that is practicing wisdom, wise living. Is that okay? So knock upon it persistently. Try it again. Do it like the persistent widow. I tell you what, when you do it persistently, it becomes a lifestyle. You naturally want to do that because it becomes a lifestyle. God renews your heart and your mind and your attitude. God changes you, a renewed life, a renewed lifestyle. And don't leave it to chance. Be intentional about the qualities that we have gone through, which is lacking, to what degree. And as Paul says, press on. I press on to live wisely for the glory of God. So how do we get wisdom? You ask, you seek, and you knock. In conclusion, does it matter if you are wise? I hope you and I can conclude, at least bring home with you, it is important that you are wise and you are filled with heavenly, godly wisdom. It is important because, as I said, wisdom is needed 
for all of us to triumph through trials. But wisdom is who God is. And as we practice wisdom, it reflects who God is. Wisdom is more than a knowledge applied. It is a lifestyle. It is a life lived out. It is our attitude towards things. It is our behavior and our deeds. The qualities of wisdom is tandem to the renewed life, and we have said that. And the source of all heavenly wisdom is from God. Therefore, church, children, brothers and sisters, remember to ask, seek, and knock on wisdom because Proverbs says, and I'll close with this, wisdom is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honour. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who take hold of her fast, steadfast, will be blessed. May the Lord bless you in a time like this as we all face trials. And if you are not, understand the whole world is in a turmoil. God has placed you for a time like this, in a season like this, to reflect His wisdom. And therefore, let us not just know the Scripture, but live out the wisdom of God. So would you stand with me in response? If you are led to sing in your heart, do that as a response. I think the first key thing, even as we who live on earth, is always constantly therefore says, Lord, I turn my eyes upon the heaven. I turn my eyes upon the kingdom of yours. And I've chosen this old song, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Let that be a prayer as we respond in worship and also in prayer.